Hey, you're listening to the Creative Pep Talk Podcast. We help you build a thriving creative career. I'm your host, Andy J. Pizza. You can stay up to date with all things Creative Pep Talk by following me on Instagram at Andy J. Pizza. Let's get into today's episode. I really needed to rehaul my website. I was talking to some web people, looking around, and I got intrigued by Squarespace's new fluid engine, partially because it just sounds cool, but also because it allows you to drag and resize and layer up anything you can imagine. I dove in, rebuilt my site. It's the most me site that I've ever had. I just absolutely love it. Launched it. Got such a great response. Some industry illustration and designy peers even reached out and was like, hey, who coded this thing, man? I'm like, y'all, I did it by myself. No coding with Squarespace's new Fluid Engine. I told him like, you should go check it out. You're gonna be surprised with what you can do. And I built this thing before Squarespace reached out to sponsor the show. So I was like, boom, easy peasy. I was gonna tell you about this new site. Anyway, go check it out, anyjpizza.com if you wanna see what I did with it. If you want to try it yourself, make a site that's totally you where you can build a portfolio, sell content and courses and all kinds of other stuff, head to squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain with promo code PEPTALK, all one word, all uppercase. This episode is supported by In The Making, an original podcast brought to you by Adobe Express, the all-in-one content creation app included in your Creative Cloud membership. If you are trying to boost the YouTube, TikTok, Reels content side of what you're doing, one episode of In The Making that I think will be super useful to you is their episode with John Ushai. I think John's method for including his audience in the process is really inspiring. And if you want to hear about that and more about leveling up your game in the creator economy, just search In The Making in your podcast player to listen. Many thanks to In The Making and Adobe Express for their support. favorite artists performed on Saturday Night Live over the weekend, Kid Cudi. I haven't seen it yet, but I'm always super stoked to see him out there doing his thing because Cudi, to me, is such a true artist. And I mean that in the good way, the bad way, the ugly way, everything in between. Like so many artists, so many creative people, Kid Cudi has had a ton of struggles, a lot of them public. He's struggled publicly with his mental health. He's taken side roads in his creativity and experimented, and sometimes it's gone well. Sometimes he's been celebrated by the critics. Sometimes he gets torn to shreds and fed to the dogs. And whenever I see him winning, I'm just like, good for you, man. Keep going, man. Keep doing your thing. Keep trying it. Keep showing up. The past few years, Cuddy has had some big creative breakthroughs. He did an album with longtime collaborator Kanye West under the moniker Kids See Ghost. And on that record, 
there's this song, and it's one of my favorite songs of all time. It's one of my go-to running songs, and it has this line. It has this lyric that cuts me deep every single time. He says, I had so much on my mind, I didn't know where to go. And I don't know why. I mean, it's such a simple line, but Cuddy says it with such conviction. And knowing his past and knowing that this album was a miracle in and of itself, like, you know, him and Kanye had had so many falling outs. There were all these times where they were fighting and it seemed like they're never going to work together ever again. And so even even making this song I, is a miracle. And so that line is just so packed with emotion for me. But more than that, it's also just super personally resonant because my brain is so chaotic. There is always so much on my mind. And it's so distracting. At any given time, I've got 300 different shiny objects vying for my attention. FOMO, the fear of missing out, just gets the better of me so many days when I should be working on something else, when I should be focused on what's actually going on in my life. I'm worried about something that's not going on in my creative journey. Um, You know, there's this other creative that I super relate to, Jenny Slate. Do you know her? She's a comedian. She was this YouTube sensation called Marcel the Shell, and she was on this hit television show. You might have heard it, Parks and Rec, uh, where she plays uh, Mona Lisa, which is Sean Ralphio's sister. And in her comedy special, she says that her brain is like the bathhouse in the animated anime movie Spirited Away. Uh, And I have never felt more seen than when she said that. This bathhouse has all these spirits and creatures coming in in every different direction. There's always like 50 things fizzling in the background and it's just total chaos. And that is my brain so, so often. So when Kid Cudi says that he has so much on his mind that he doesn't know where he's going, I'm like, yeah, man, preach it at creative pain. And here's the kicker. Then he says just a few lines later, but peace is something that starts with me. And this line just sends me down for the count because the song is so good. It's so authentically pouring from Kid Cudi's spirit that you just know that this song isn't coming from the chaotic, spirited away, bathhouse craziness. It's emanating from that elusive place that of peace and, and knowing that Cuddy has stumbled in the dark so many times. He's self-sabotaged like so many of us do. And then to hear him sing from this place of peace, it just stirs my soul, man. Don't you want to create from that place? You know what that feels like to create, you know, from the noise and what it feels like to create from that inner knowing from that sense of peace it is just worlds apart how do you get into that sweet spot as often as possible you can't always create from there but man i think it's a worthy pursuit and practice to try to make that your creative sweet spot as often as possible it's annoying how how do you get into that knowing Because you know that you know the knowing. You just don't always know what you know. 
your subconscious is like some kind of creative Yoda that's always speaking in riddles. And I love the subconscious. I love its language. I love that it speaks to you in dreams. I freaking love dreams, man. I've made two books about dreams. I'm so crazy about them. I'm totally romantic about how dreams are metaphors and it's literally like your subconscious is telling your conscious mind what's going on inside of you by like writing it visual poetry. That's what a dream is. A dream is a poem about this is what's going on in you, metaphorically speaking. And sometimes I'm like, that's so cool, but can you just tell me what's actually happening? Just literally, just tell me that like it is. Just tell me I'm feeling unprepared. Don't say, it's as if you were in high school working on a Scantron, but you forgot your number two pencil. And I'm like, I'm 34. There's no Scantron. What are you talking about? It's been freaking crazy. Dang it, dreams. Just tell me. I'm focused on the wrong thing. Don't tell me. It, it's as if you've packed your suitcase perfectly but neglected to put on pants. <laughs> like, what? Why? What does it mean? I've never forgotten to put on pants. Other than that one time, you always bring it up. Okay, it's never, that's never happened. I always wear pants. But all year, I've had the same dream. I've had, I'm not kidding you, I've had the same, not exact dream, but the same premise of a dream I'm telling you over a hundred times this year, I've had the dream of missing flights. I keep dreaming about missing flights and I'm not even flying anywhere because of COVID. What are you trying to tell me? It's driven me nuts this year. I keep having this dream. For the longest time, I was thinking that this dream is like telling me you're missing something, but I don't think that's it. I think it's telling me that I am consumed with the feeling that I'm missing something. This is what I think, if the, if the dream was more literal, what, what I think it would be, it'd be like I'm in an airport and I hear over the intercom, last call for being relevant on TikTok, now boarding, and I start, okay, I gotta go run over that way, and then I hear another thing over the intercom, last call to cash in on that super hot, super lucrative creative trend before it's cashed out, now boarding. And I'm like, okay, I gotta go over that way. And then over the intercom, it's like, last call to do that thing that everybody really cares about, but you couldn't care less about, but you want it anyway, because the off chance that they might care about you just by association, if you have it. And I'm like, okay, dream. Too real. That's That one stung a little bit too much. Go back to the metaphors. Maybe that's why our subconscious speaks in poetry. The truth might just totally destroy us if it's not sugar-coated in some kind of poetry. But, but, but here's the point of that dream and my point in this episode. It's not that you need to be afraid that you're missing out. In fact, I think if there's anything to be afraid of, it should be a fear of the fear of missing out. Why? Because like in this dream, when I'm running every which way, trying to reach every possible desirable destination, the only destination I see is the airport. When I try to be everywhere, I end up nowhere. And the truth is anywhere. Any one of those destinations would have been better than being at the airport. When you let FOMO 
run the show, when you spend your present moment worried about what you're missing out on, you are guaranteed to miss out on the present moment. And so let's talk about how do you recognize the things that you're distracting you? How do we get at the root of why those things are so powerfully distracting in your life so we can pull them out by the root and really disarm their power uh, to derail your whole thing? And, And let's ultimately get you back in touch with that place where you're focused and you're grounded and you're creating from that knowing. Let's go. Okay, so the first thing we're going to do to help us rid ourselves of those uh, pesky, annoying distractions, the first thing we're going to do is we're going to talk about the future. Let's go to the future first. Where are you over future proofing? I want you to highlight where you are being hyper vigilant. It's going to be really powerful when we get to step two. But just to start, just talk about where are you overcompensating? Here's the here's the weird thing about trying too hard. It actually gets worse results. Now, what is hypervigilance versus vigilance? Vigilance just means being on the ball, like doing your best, being like wide awake, keeping your eyes peeled for opportunities and making sure you're, you're awake and ready and, and giving things your all. But hypervigilance, it seems like it should be better, right? Like you should be, when you try even harder, you should get even better Results, But if you have any history as a creator, you probably know that this isn't true. Weirdly, in my creative practice, I have been working on not trying so hard. Instead of trying to have ideas, I try to just see what ideas I have. You know, there's this rule in improv. It says, don't try to be funny. Don't try to be funny. What the the whole point of improv is funny, being funny. But I would add to it, don't try to be funny. Try to have fun. Just go be present. Have fun. And even just show up and be yourself. You know, I think part of this hypervigilance for me, it comes from, you know, I I think being a creator often means this creative approach that says when you get to a door, you've got, you know, nine different ideas on how to get to the other side of that door, but you miss the most obvious one, which is just opening it. Like I think as a creative thinker, we can fall into hypervigilance because we realize what we don't have and we feel self-conscious about what we don't have and we try to be something other than we're not. But I found in my creativity, in my when I go make an illustration, when I'm working on a client project, when I'm making episode art for this podcast, I've been trying to not try. I've been trying to be like, okay, what are ideas? What what comes to mind when you think about this topic? Let's just come up with three ideas right here on the spot. This thing, that thing, that thing. And yeah, I work on it and I edit it and I go back to it and I show it to people and say, does this make sense? And I'll go back to the drawing board. But I'm trying at all costs not to tip over into that hypervigilance. And here's why. Because here's the crazy thing about hypervigilance is that hypervigilance is so exhausting 
that it actually results in lack of focus, lack of vigilance. It, it, it is you pushed to your limits to where you're, you're outside of your zone of genius. And so the first thing I want you to do is just highlight where are the areas where I am just trying too hard. That's step one. Where are you trying to over future proof? Because it'll actually make you underprepared. All right, step two is to link that hypervigilance to pain, to hurt, to past trauma. Take how you overprepare for the future as a sign of what's hurt you in the past. Oh, man, Andy J. Pizza's taking you to therapy today. This comes straight from my therapist. She would see how I would be obsessing before I would put something out and, and just being so, and, and honestly, I'm still struggling with this stupid freaking crap. Do you have any idea? You have no idea what's gone into this episode. And I would be ashamed to show you. Someday I'll share the notes and the notes in the recordings in the re-recordings. It is, it's, it's borderline insanity, uh, to be completely honest, but I would be talking to my therapist about all these things that I do, all of these behaviors that I do before I make a creative thing. And she just pointed out that I was being hypervigilant and that hypervigilant is a symptom. It's not a problem. It's a symptom of trauma. And she helped me link back what I was doing, what I was over-preparing for, to things that had hurt me in the past, uh, that, had, that had given me stress and pain in the past. And I, I started to link it up to very specific moments that I was trying at all costs to ensure that I would never experience again. And when you start to see that these behaviors aren't just natural, but they're actually connected to past problems, you can start to see the sides of it that are irrational. You can see that you can have some, uh, not only can you start to have some self-compassion, but you can also start to see that you're being driven by shame. You're being driven by, uh, not, not driven by something you love, but by something you're trying to avoid. And that just, that awareness, first of all, just takes away a lot of its power. You know, one area that I think a lot of creators create from, a bit of trauma or a bit of um, pain even, trauma might be too hard of a word, and I'm no therapist, so I can't, can't, I feel like I can't use that word really, but a lot of pain comes from just the fact uh, of what it means to be a creative thinker. If I was going to articulate, what does it feel like to be a creative person? I would say it, it feels like being stupid most of the time. It feels like just being dumb. And I think the reason that is, where that hurt comes from, is this this idea you find in this theory called Gardner's 
theory of multiple intelligences. And, and Gardner said that as a culture, we have way too narrow of a definition of intelligence. What we call IQ is a very particular type of potential within a given brain. But there's actually all this other really valuable, really important potential that we're not speaking to. And when we define only this little sliver, this ninth of what it means to be smart as intelligent, we're defining all other things outside of that as unintelligent, as stupid. We're talking about other intelligences as if they are stupid. And a lot of creativity falls into that category. You know, a lot of this pain was named for me. And, and there was a lot of kind of I want to say healing, but I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I'm healed from this. I actually feel like I have a lot of bitterness and anger around um, this idea of creative thinking kind of being seen as a type of stupidity because it falls outside of the regular definition of IQ. And actually, over the past couple of years, I've really struggled as I've succeeded in the eyes of the world in some, some ways, the self-esteem that has come from that has been coupled with anger. Surprised, it surprised me. I, don't, I didn't expect it. I didn't see it coming. I'm not an angry person. I'm not a bitter person. But weirdly, this self-esteem coming in out of nowhere so starkly contrasted the lack of self-esteem that I've had my whole life. And I, and I think the anger comes from the fact that I've always been creative. I've always had value, but it always hasn't been labeled and affirmed in my life. And you know, right now in the world, creativity is kind of having a moment. You know, every time I go to the grocery store, it seems like Time Magazine has got a cover story about this creative genius or the science of creativity and, you know, business magazines. IBM, I ran across a story that said that the, the number one quality that CEOs are looking for is creativity. And you never hear the end of what a game changer Steve Jobs' creativity was. And the whole culture is smitten by Lin-Manuel Miranda and Hamilton. And you can hear the cynicism and, and the pain in my voice. And I should be happy that creativity is having this massive moment. But instead, I'm angry. Because I look at these folks who, despite the odds, despite the fact that they often are not recognized for their value until they have toiled blood, sweat, and tears and proved it to you and become completely undeniably valuable to the culture, then we say, wow, look at these people. And the sad fact is I know hundreds of people like these people that didn't have the circumstances to thrive, that weren't valued, that didn't have their genius labeled as intelligence, and it caused them to have no self-esteem and to give up on the whole thing completely. And so, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of pain attached to 
creativity for me, and I'm guessing there is for you, but when we create out of this pain, when we're creating uh, hypervigilantly so that nobody can call us stupid, we are not creating from our best place. We're not creating from the knowing as uh, Glennon Doyle, she calls it the knowing. And uh, when we create from the pain, when we create from the hurt, we're not creating from the knowing, we're creating from the places that we're afraid that we don't know. And that is a very fractured place to create from. And so if you want to create from a place of wholeness, I think go check out what, where am I being hypervigilant? What am I trying to prevent that's happened before? And how, how are these fears uh, causing me to, accre- to create from a place that might be irrational or just a waste of time? You can't prevent all of these things from happening. And I think that will help you get at the root of some of this FOMO, start tearing that stuff out, and then go to step three where we'll actually talk about what to do now in the present moment. We've dealt with the future, the the, the ghost of, of creative future and the ghost of creative past. Let's meet the ghost of creative present. All right, number three. Number three is to figure out where you are. What is the action to take right now? You know, a few episodes ago, we talked about being lost. And I realized that I kind of associate or I kind of define subconsciously being lost where with I don't know where I'm going. I don't know what to do next. But being lost is really often more about not knowing not not knowing where you're going but not knowing where you are you almost always know where you're trying to be where you wish that you were what you don't know is where am i what is this place that i'm in you're, all of these surroundings are unfamiliar and when you are feeling that disintegration that you're creating from that fractured place and you're not creating from the knowing. Think often it's because FOMO has you in a place that you're not. It has your focus on everywhere beside the present and what is presently in front of you. And so one of the things I like to do on this show, uh, you know, the creative journey is so nuanced. It's so not black and white. It's so seasonal. It's a, it's more like a spectrum than a this or that. There's no exact way of doing it. And so I like to ground myself as I'm navigating the, the you know, the grayness of charting a creative path where anything could possibly go. I like to ground myself in narrative because it's so much more nuanced than, you know, this or that. And so let's use narrative. Let's use story as a way of figuring out where we are in our creative journey. Now, every story has three acts, okay? Uh, And and, and we're going to try to figure out which act am I in and therefore what do I need to do? Act one, act one is all about what does the character want? 
when the, the, you know, the story does not begin until the character wants something. And so if you have, if I say, what do you want? And, and when I say that, I'm not saying, you know, what you want that you can't have. I'm saying, what do you want that you think you could have if you'd lean into it and own that you really wanted it and, and overcome the obstacles and, and all that? What do you really want? If you can't answer that question, if that question's not apparent to you nearly instantly, then you are probably in act one. You need to stop and figure out what is this season of life about? What am I heading towards? Okay? You're in act two if you know what you want, but there's something in the way. Act two is all about fighting through the obstacles. And I think a big part of act two is saying, what about these obstacles can I not control? And what are the areas that I can control? And how can I dedicate all of my extra time to getting over those obstacles? If you know what you want and you define what is in the way, then what you need to be all about is figuring out how do I get over it, under it, through it, all the creativity to that task. That's what you do in act two. Act three. Act three happens when the dust has settled. The obstacle has defeated you for good or you've triumphed over it. But ultimately, act three is about coming to terms with how you didn't get what you want. Even if you achieved what you set out to achieve, there was a deeper thing underneath what you were hoping to get. And rarely does what you want actually deliver on what you thought it was going to deliver. Act three is all about letting go of what you think you wanted and seeing what the story gave you that you needed. You know, if you were in a place where you've, you wanted to have a book, you went through the obstacles of doing it and you get the book in your hand, I'm guaranteeing that that book isn't everything that you wanted it to be. But act three is all about figuring out what did I get from this experience that I needed and how do I lean into that and own it? It might be, look, I needed to get one step closer to, to the book that I do want to make. I, I needed it to connect me with this network. What did this journey give you? Not that you wanted, but what you needed and how can you really dig in and make the most of what it gave you that you needed? That's act three. homework for this topic. It's all been, you know, pretty big picture stuff. Let's put it to work. You know, if you want to make progress in your creative journey, you can't just do it all in your head. You got to work it out in the work. And so if you are in act one 
and you don't know what you want, you can't figure it out, quit letting all of that swirl around in your head. You'll be like Kid Cuddy with so much on your mind, you don't know where to go. Instead of asking all those questions in your head, ask it in the work. Make, I'm sure you have a few paths, right? You have three different ideas for that book, three different ideas for that next song, three different, you know, whatever. Make something for each of them and just test it out with your own personal taste and see which of these feels like it's coming from the knowing. So make an act one piece if you don't know what you want. Make something that asks the question. Act If you're an act two, make something that pushes the needle forward, something that pushes you one step closer to getting around that obstacle. If you're an act three, make a piece of work that promotes what you've already done in a way that speaks to what you needed from it, what you need next, what you need to take from that. Go promote what you've already done by making something new. Thanks to Yoni Wolf and the band Y for our theme music. Shout out to Alex Sugg for our creative pep talk soundtrack. Thanks to Sophie Pizza and Ryan Appleton for content assistance. Massive thanks to Jordan Aaron for editing the show so beautifully. And thanks to all of you for tuning in. Until we speak again, stay pepped up. Stay pepped up.